What a day. singing amen that's a blessing if you have your bibles we're interested in the book of first thessalonians chapter number five this evening it's chapter five we've been studying for some weeks in the book of first thessalonians about a church uh, that's prepared for the second coming and in every chapter of first thessalonians paul our writer led of the holy ghost mentions the second coming of the lord and savior Jesus Christ. And every one of these messages that we've been studying, we've tried to label them with the initials or MI. Every one of them's had an MI. I don't even know if you've noticed or not. But tonight we're going to look in verse 16. We're looking at a church with magnificent initiatives. A church with magnificent initiatives. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he went out to preached the gospel in the city of Thessalonica. He preached there three Sabbath days. A bunch of people got saved, but a bunch of people got angry, and they began to assault people in the church, and Paul considered that he would just leave town knowing he had already planted the seeds of the gospel, and the gospel was going to come up and bear fruit and was doing it before his very eyes. He went on to Berea. He went on to Athens. He started worrying about him back there in Thessalonica. He sent Timothy to check on him. Timothy came back and said, Paul, I'm going to tell you, they love the Lord. They have faith in Christ, and they're growing in number. And Paul, that just blessed him to pieces. And so he began to write this epistle back to the people. And this is his first epistle of all those that he wrote. And he wrote this while he was in Athens. You can look down at the superscript at the end. It says the first epistle... Unto the Thessalonians was written from Athens. That's where Paul was when he sent Timothy back to check on him, and Timothy gave report back. Now you'll also find more imperatives uh, from Apostle Paul and from the Holy Ghost in First Thessalonians than anywhere else. What are imperatives, preacher Darren? They're not suggestions. They're not ideas. They're, they're not opinions. They are commands. They are encouragements how you and I ought to practice and live in the faith. And he gave us some of those, if it's okay with you, I want to read in verse number, uh, let's read verse number 11. Here's where the imperative section begins. Verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, might I say brethren, occurs ten times in two chapters. He's writing to the family of God. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, Support the weak, be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Here's our text for tonight. Rejoice evermore. Boy, what a magnificent initiative. Rejoice evermore. So I've got seven points. If I can get them all preached tonight, Lord help me preach tonight. Number one, 
We need to celebrate salvation. There'll all be a C and an S. We need to celebrate salvation. Are you saved tonight? We ought to be rejoicing evermore. In other words, never lose the spirit of praise. Your attitude about praising God is very important. It's important when you're in church. It's important when you're on the job. It's important when you're at the house. It's important when you're at the marketplace to always have a spirit of praise. Amen. That way, look at the next verse. If you have a spirit of praise, then you can pray without ceasing. When you pray in a defeated spirit, our effectiveness at the throne of grace would be better if we learned to praise the Lord while we're there. So we got to say it this way. If we have a spirit of praise, rejoice evermore, then pray without ceasing, and then in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Boy, those are very important. As we celebrate a salvation, I think about Paul writing in what I call the joy epistle. Which epistle is about joy? Philippians. I want to read Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4. Paul writes to us, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. That's an imperative mood verb with a present tense active voice. This is what it means. Be continually praising Him. Don't never anywhere out. Actively praise the Lord. Amen. Bless His name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah to God. Bless His holy name. Thank you, God, for saving us so. He is worthy of all our praise. Amen. That's exactly. Now, if you're not careful, some of us, uh, we think, well, preacher, there's a pandemic. Sure. I don't have enough money to make the house payment. Preacher, my cat's sick. Preacher, my dog growled at me when I got home and I'm worried about it. What am I going to do? Let me tell you something. We ought to praise the Lord always. Brother Mays Jackson went off to preach revival. He called home to check on his children and said, Miss Dot, how's things going? She said, well, Brother Mays, how are things going for you? He said, we had a bunch of saints know that we've been having a time in the Lord. How's things going back at home? She said, well, the washing machine broke down. One that had all kinds of trouble. Uh, this has happened. This has happened. And we sure do miss you back at home. And she was all down and out of a shout now. Praise God anyhow. She said, I'll get you when you get home. So he, he had printed some little booklets. He wanted to give them out to everybody. He got them at the printers. He was so excited. He put them in the back of his car in a box. Got my books tonight. He got them out to give people his books. And that's printed upside down and backwards. He's upset. He said, Sister Dawn, they're printed wrong. I've worked so hard. They're upside down and backwards. I said, did that to me. She said, he said, what am I going to do? She said, shout now, Brother Mays. Shout now. Times we just don't feel like shouting. I get that, amen. But for you and I, we got to be careful that the thing, be careful that ingratitude, that God's not done enough for me, doesn't steal our joy. Sometimes, now hear me out, rejoice. The situation and the circumstance and the outlook has to be response. And if I can have an emotional response, 
then I can praise the Lord. But hear me. This is, you cannot command, this is a command. You cannot command an emotional response. And it means to be glad in the Lord. What Paul's saying is to rejoice of the will. Not based on how your days went. It's not based on your circumstances. It's not based on your sit to come to church. I make a choice to rejoice. Amen. We'll preach on credit. When you'll start doing it, it'll catch. It'll catch in you. The Holy Ghost in you will catch light fire. And started catching it with me. Amen. It's a catching thing. Amen. You remember Acts 16? Paul and Silas in jail. They were beaten. Their backs was bloodied. They were in pain. They were midnight hour. What did they do? They began to sing and they praised God. Now look at, the, look at their situation. They don't have anything to shout about. They're bloodied. They're in captivity. They're in oppression. They ought to be grumbling. They ought to be complaining. They ought to be murmuring. But that's, that's what made them remarkable. They sang praises to God. And God heard and sent an earthquake. And they made a choice. A choice to rejoice. Amen. Philippians 4 verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord at hand. Did you know the night where two or three are gathered, the Lord's with us tonight? He is with us at the funeral last night. He's with us here tonight in prayer meeting. He was with us in the one-way program. I felt the Holy Ghost breeze by over there. Honey, the Lord is at hand. He's worthy of our praise. Want to be praised him, amen. Now, I realize some of you, you're in a dungeon of despair. You're behind walls of resistance. You're shackled with chains of poor health. You've got iron bars of disappointment all around you. The cuffs of circumstances around you, the fetters of fear have shackled up your feet. But Paul decides, if I'm in a prison, I'm going to go ahead and praise him anyhow, anyway. And when he praised him, all those other things that shackled him and fettered him fell off. And he rejoiced. Preacher, what can I rejoice in? What about his pardon? Can you rejoice in his pardon? The wages of sin is death. But... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. You can rejoice in the presence of the Lord. Why? The Lord is at hand. Paul was not in the prison cell by himself. Oh, preacher, Aaron, I know Silas was there. Other jailers, uh, the jailer was there. Other prisoners were there. There were other times where Paul looked like he was very much alone. He, he said, all men have forsaken me. Nobody stands with me. But guess what? The Lord was there with him. Thank God for you. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, I've never been in the prison alone. I've never had to stand to preach alone. Sometimes I, somebody may come and say, I'll be praying for you. I'll say, pray for us, us as we preach. I've had people say, why do you use us and we? Because I've never been alone. And they're like, well, who's up here with you? The Lord. I would never want to have to stand up here alone, amen. Never one time have I ever been alone. He's so big, this church building cannot contain him, amen. And yet he's small enough to fit in my heart. Well, what a blessing, amen. Jesus Christ said, I'll never leave you. 
and I'll never forsake you. So you can rejoice in his pardon. You can rejoice in his presence. You can rejoice in his provision. We're in Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. What's that mean? That means don't be careless. It means don't worry. Worry will cut you to emotional pieces. And your ability to focus is taken completely away because you're absolutely worried to death. I'm talking to somebody tonight. You're here and you're worried. You're worried to death. Matthew 13, 22 says, The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word of God. The cares of this world. You know what you're worried about? The cares of this world. Preacher, how do you know? Because I have them too. And it seems like sometimes they try to take precedence in my life. Worry is symbolized as choking. It is distraction. It is pulling my focus away. Hear me now. Worry will not take the sorrow out of tomorrow. It takes the joy out of today. Can I say it again? Worry will not take the sorrow out of tomorrow. It takes the joy out of today. And if you try to take tomorrow's worries and put them in today, you're overloaded. I can tell by looking at some of y'all, you're absolutely overloaded tonight because you're worried about today and you're worried about tomorrow and you've overloaded today. Amen! Worry will absolutely ruin... Here's what you need to do. It'll ruin you. If you make a choice to rejoice, make another choice. I refuse to worry. It's a choice. It's an act of the will. Preacher, I just can't help it. It's a choice. Love is a choice. Oh, I've heard people say, oh, I was just swept away in love. No, bless God, you were not. You were, you lying dog. You were swept away in lust. You were swept away in the desires of the flesh. But love is a choice. Who you love is a choice. You know what the solution to your worry is? Prayer. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Look in verse number uh, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You can rejoice in the peace of God. He'll give you the peace of God. Preacher, tell me about it. I can't. Why can't you? It passes all understanding. If I understood it, I'd tell you about it. But I can't. It's just too good to even tell you. I remember Granny Louise McClellan. Man, she used to make me coconut cakes. Woo-wee. She'd bring one in. She'd say, Preacher, I got you a cake in the car. Thank you, Miss. Thank you, Miss Granny. Praise the Lord. I'd go out there and I'd, listen, I'd eat some of that. And it was the best tasting cake I've ever had in my life. And, 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 if, and I tell you about it, and your mouth might water but you'd never know how good it is till you tasted it yourself. I wish I had one right now. I'd cut you a slice, amen, and we'd have a time. But I'm telling you what, the joy and the peace and the blessing that God's given us is beyond our understanding. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Right in the middle of troubles. Paul's in jail here in Philippians. Right in the middle of trouble. He is rejoicing in the blessings of Almighty God. Well, what should we do? We should celebrate salvation. Now, I've got to move on because I'm going to be right here all night long. Uh, number two, look with me. Verse number 17, 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Number two, you should communicate with the Savior. Amen? It's a two-way communication. He speaks to us through His Word. He speaks to us through His Spirit. But we can speak to Him. Imagine a thrice holy God wanting to hear the prayers of a sinful man. But when I ask Him to forgive me, He forgives me. And He puts me in a place where I can call upon Him. And He hears my prayer request. And He answers according to His will. And you know what? That's good enough for me. Thank God for it. It's better than I deserve. And I praise God for it. Well, preacher Darren, I don't understand. Pray without ceasing. Well, I can't be on my knees all the time. I can't always go down the road driving like this with my eyes closed and I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to tell you something. What it means is to always be in a spirit of prayer. Prayer is to your spirit what breath is to your body. Imagine tonight. Go ahead right now, Opie Taylor. Hold your breath. Why would you say Opie Taylor? He tried that on his daddy. He said, I'm not, what are you doing now, son? I'm holding my breath. Well, guess what? His daddy could wait him out. My mama did that to me. I tried to hold my breath on my mama. She held out. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't pray, what's going to happen to your spirit? The same thing's going to happen to your body if it doesn't breathe. Amen? So we need to be praying. When is it we should pray? In every circumstance, in every season of your life. James says something about it. In the book of James, chapter number 5, I want to read there. There's many verses of Scripture about James. Uh, when, should we, when should we pray? Verse number 13, James 5, 13. You should pray when you're suffering. When you have a season of suffering, the Bible says, James 5, 13, is any among you afflicted? What does that mean? Do you suffer trouble? Do you have trials? Do you have hardships, distress, sorrow, persecution, problems? What does the Bible say? Here's the imperative. Let him pray. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. It's not an opinion. Let him pray. If you have affliction, if you have a season of suffering, you're supposed to pray. A prosukamea, it means to go right in the presence of Almighty God. What else should you do? Verse, verse 13, is any merry? You know, what should you do? If you're feeling good in seasons, I'm trying to get a, 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 a be able to alliterate seasons of singing, suffering, seasons of singing. When you are cheerful, you ever just been so cheerful and you just started singing? Edwards family, have you ever just been so cheerful and you just started singing? Not just because you was asked to go sing, just because you was around the house and God was good, just because you was on the job riding down the car and God was good, and you just started singing a song. Amen. Guess what that singing is? That singing is rejoicing. That singing is also a prayer. It's a petition. It's something that's presented before Almighty God. Now, the Bible says, now what this means is, it's the word euthymio, and it means anyone that's being well-treated. Has God been good to you? Have you been well-treated by God today? Oh, I have an idea. I believe you have. I think I need amen. God's been good to me. God's been better to me than I deserve. If you go around and say, well, my boss wasn't good to me, and my, my spouse wasn't good to me, and my kids wasn't good to me, and my parents wasn't good to me. But, honey, I got an idea. God's been good to you. Say amen right there. You've been well treated today. It's a delightful season of life. I feel like running. It's a delightful season of life when God's been good to you. What does he say? What's the imperative? Let him sing songs. That's not a suggestion. 
It's not an idea. It's an imperative. You know what Psalms are? It's not just, listen, it's giving him thanks. It's giving him praise. It's, it's glorifying his name. Well, preacher, during it's spiritual hymns. Listen, you understand something? Prayer, get past this. Prayer is not just about asking. Prayer is about praising. Prayer is about thanking him. Amen. I want to read Psalm 105 too. Just listen. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Now, now, when you sing, you're not singing for the choir director. And when you sing, you're not singing for the congregation. And tonight on a Wednesday, you're not singing for the man who said we're going to sing number six or because the pastor asked for it. When you stand up here to sing, you're singing unto him, unto God. Hallelujah to God. You ever listen to the lyrics of this song? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Amen? Now think about it. What's the name of that song? Name that tune. How great thou art. You're singing to God. How great thou art. Hey, that's what we're supposed to do. Is any merry? It seasons of singing. Let him sing psalms. That's a good time to pray. Look with me in verse number 14. Is any sick among you? When should you pray? In seasons of sickness. What should you do? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them, what's the word? Pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Again, pray in seasons of sickness. Here's another one, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. Your faults. Oh, preacher, Darren, I don't have any faults. Did you look at the mirror when you got up this morning? You had slobber run down the side of your face. Eye matter stuck in the corner of your eyes. Hair stuck up like alfalfa. Rooster tail. That's the way you was when you got up this morning. You looked in the mirror and you said, oh, Lord, that's a fright. <laughs> you decided you'd do something about it. Decided you'd take a shower. Praise God. Brush your teeth. Praise God. Wash your face. Comb your hair. Thank God for it. You got yourself gussied up and ready. Honey, if you'd look at yourself in the mirror, you'd see we're sinful creatures. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But he said, I thank God that Jesus Christ, my Lord, amen. He's the one that's delivered us. When we have seasons of sin, when we have sin, faults, what do we do? We pray one for another and that we may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Let me tell you something. To confess, you need to confess your sin. And when you confess your sin to God, the word confess means that you say the same thing about your sin that God says about your sin. Amen? You need to get to that point. What God says, what God knows about your sin, you need to confess it to that level. And when you do, if we would confess our sins, He would be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Let's go back to our text. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if I don't move quickly, we're going to be here till 10. Verse number 18, he says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 
Thirdly, we need to have contented supplication. Now look, look at the word. It says in, in everything. My Bible didn't say for. Did you say? That's an interesting concept. Preacher, it's pretty close to the same. It's a little different. It's hard to be thankful for everything, but when you're in everything, you can give thanks. In every season of your life, whether you're young or old, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're hungry or not, whether you're sick or not, whether you're in prison or not, in everything, in that condition, you're to give thanks unto God. And I'm telling you what, the, the Bible, mm, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's where we are tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. I want you to see this. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. How many of y'all believe we're there tonight? Here are the signs of those days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, un, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, let's see, unthankful, unholy. There's that word, unthankful. We live in a day and age where people are unthankful. I talk to a man, I tell all the time, sometime back, man, he was just down in the mouth, he was upset, been out of shape. And I told him, I said, I'm sorry to hear your wife died. He said, she didn't die. Sorry to hear your kids died. They didn't die. Sorry to hear you lost your job. Didn't lose my job. Sorry to hear your car broke down. Sorry to hear you, your house burnt down. None of those things happened. Sorry to hear you lost your job. Didn't lose my job. Then what in the world's wrong with you? I'm sorry to hear you lost your salvation. Oh, no, I'm, I'm saved. I'm just saved as you are. Well, then what in the world's wrong with you? We've just become unthankful. That's where we are. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I'm just telling you, that's where we are tonight. We need to learn to be thankful. Let's go back to the book of Romans, chapter 1. I hope I can find this verse. Help me, Lord. Romans, chapter 1. Verse 21, Romans 1, 21. Look at this verse of Scripture. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 25 who changed the truth of God into a lie and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause. For what cause? For being unthankful. For changing the truth of God into a lie. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. You can read on in that chapter and you'll see a lot of things more clearly. I challenge you to read that, amen. Now back to our text. We need some contented supplication. We need to be thankful in all things, in everything. Fourthly, look at verse 19. Verse 19 of chapter number 5. Quench not the spirit. 
Oh, help us, Jesus. What a verse of Scripture. Quench not the Spirit. Preacher, dear, what does that mean? Well, here's our CS point. We need to be controlled by the Spirit. I want to read what Jesus said. In the book of Matthew chapter 12, please find this verse. I hope they can put it on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, grab a pew Bible. Uh, if you've got your Bible with you, underline this. This is what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 31. Jesus' words, not mine, not yours, Jesus's. Matthew 12, 31. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto all men. Well, preacher, wait, whoa. I thought everything could be forgiven. Everything but that. If you blaspheme the Holy Ghost of God, that's the one who comes knocking on your heart's door. That's the one who comes wooing. That's the one who comes witnessing telling you, teaching you, instructing you about Jesus and his love for you and about how you can be saved. And if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it's unpardonable. Preacher, have you ever known anybody? I've known of people. They didn't live very long. God killed them. Look at the next verse. Verse 32. Whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, capital S, who is that? Jesus. If you speak a word against Jesus, it shall be forgiven him. You see that? Them soldiers that crucified him, that spat on him, that spoke against him, if they'd have bowed their knee, he'd have forgave them. If anybody's ever spoke a word against Jesus, he'd forgive them of every bit of it. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. You blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you're done. No more opportunity for you, you're toast. It's over. Amen. That's not quench, not the Holy Spirit. Thank God. I want to read in the book of Acts chapter, I think I wrote, Acts chapter 5. Turn there. I'm trying to hurry. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Uh, we see the early church in its infancy. Acts chapter 5. And... Um, we know that Barnabas, he's been a blessing to the church and, and, and people saw how he gave to the church and Ananias and Sapphira thought, boy, we'd like to have some of that attention. We'd like to have somebody patting us on the back. So the Bible says in verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and they kept back part of the price, which was fine. His wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's just fine, no problem. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost to keep back part of the price of the land? What happened? Ananias acted to everybody that he sold his land and he gave it everything he had. And everybody said, oh, Ananias, what a blessing. So far, boy, what a sweetheart. Gave everything they had. He said, that's right, that's right. But the man of God walked up to him and said, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. Why did Satan, look at it, why did Satan fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? It was yours, that land was yours to do what you wanted to with, but when you started lying to the Holy Ghost, 
you get ready to die. And he fell over a graveyard dead. And his wife come in and said, did you sell it for such and such? And she said, we did. She said, they just carried your husband out dead, and you're going to die next. She fell graveyard dead because they lied to the Holy Ghost. Never forget one time right here at Bethel. Had some, we had a bunch say God was moving, and you could tell the service wasn't over. Y'all been in some of them services. God's still working and drawing. And somebody came down the aisle and met me right here and said, God showed me that I'm to walk down the aisle, and the pew that I tap on, that person on that pew, it's sitting there, one of them's lost. And I said, wow, that's amazing. And I said, and God told me to tell you that if he didn't tell you to do it, he's going to kill you. And they just went and sat down on the front row and never moved another muscle. You better be careful when you start lying about what the Holy Ghost told you to do because God will just soon move you out is have somebody lie about what the Holy Ghost... Y'all with me? Amen. Amen. Well, I got another one. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse number 51. We see the man of God, Stephen. He is preaching to the people. You there? I hope you're there. Verse 51. He says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. What about that? What does that mean to resist the Spirit? Not letting Him have His way. Resisting, pushing back, denying, rejecting. That's a dangerous thing to do. i got to look on. Ephesians chapter 4. Here's another one. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to look at verse number 30. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. Let me tell you something. You can't grieve um, a material thing. You can't grieve something that's not alive. You can't grieve an it. Somebody says the Holy Spirit is an it. He's not an it. He's a person. He's a part of the Godhead. You, grie you can grieve him. You can grieve him terribly. Now our text says quench not. So what's the difference, preacher? I've been in places like this. When the Spirit is moving in a mighty way, and maybe that person that came up was trying to do that too. I had another somebody come up in the middle of an invitation like that, said, I just want to tell you, I don't believe anything you just said. That's what they did. I stood right here. I don't believe anything you just said. You just lied to all these people. People getting saved over here, people getting saved. You just lied to all these people. And, I, and they said, how do you know that Adam was the first man? I said, I do because God said, well, they said, I don't think he was. i tell you, I said, you don't know it. Nobody else knows it. You go sit down and go back where you came from. And they went and sat back down in the pew. They never came back. Because what they're trying to do was quench the Holy Spirit. To quench. Think about a fire that's burning. The Holy Spirit's like a fire. And what, what does somebody do? They try to put the fire out, right? They try to extinguish it. They try to dampen it down. They try to resist. They try to hold back. They refuse the working and the will of Almighty God by the Holy Spirit. You ever been in a service like that? Where a spirit's working and somebody jump up and kill it? Quench the Holy Spirit? No telling what might happen. Listen, this is not a suggestion. 
This is the command. You be careful before you stand up and say anything or do anything that it is of God and that He's ordained you to do it. And otherwise, if He tells you to do it, and you say, well, I just don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. I don't know what to do. If you don't do what He says and you become disobedient, you're going to get a whooping all the way home. You'll be, have you ever done it? I was supposed to testify and I didn't and I quenched the spirit that night and man it made me miserable for about three or four days till I could get back and say youngins I'm sorry I missed it I missed what God had for my life and it, let me tell you what it is it's really taking matters into your own hands it's dangerous I got to move on hurry hurry 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 despise not prophesyings. Not just for alliteration's sake. What does that mean? You need to cherish sermons. What do you mean, preacher? You need to cherish preaching. You need to find you a preacher. Someone who will break the Word of God down to you, teach you, instruct you, help you. That, that God, I mean, it, there's different preachers everywhere, and it's amazing how God draws you and links you to people. I love to hear Leonard Fletcher. Hey, just something about him that I just hook up to when he preaches. I just get hooked up with that man every time he preaches. And some people, uh, they may have somebody else they like to hear. Somebody else, that's great. I love a lot of different styles. I love a preacher who preaches fast. I love a preacher who preaches slow, as long as he's preaching the book. Hey, man, I love preaching. We need to cherish sermons. This is going to come up. Famine for hearing. Why? Because we despise preaching. What do you mean, preacher Darren? We have people that are in Christian service that look down on Bible study. They think it's beneath them. Amen. That it, they think there's no reason to have a Sunday school. There's no reason to go through the Bible verse by verse. Let's just get up here and have a puppet show. Come on, y'all. You know it happens. And it's the truth. And God says, despise not prophesying. You need, to, you need to prize and value preaching of the Word of God. Sixthly, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. You need to be carefully selected. Don't be easily misled. Investigate things. Look Look through the scriptures to see and prove whether these things that I'm preaching tonight be so. Don't just take my word for it. Take the word of God for it. Don't be easily misled. Now, I was talking to Brother Bobby the other night. There's a verse of scripture hit me, and I want to read it. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Brother Bob, I hope I still have that verse. Verse number First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Verse 32. First Chronicles, Old Testament, 12, 32. We are living in a pandemic. We are living in socioeconomic change. We are living in perilous times. First Chronicles 12, 32. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the... Times. Come here, I'll ask you a question. Do you have understanding of the times? Do you know the day and age in which you now live? Do you see things unfolding before you that are 
on God's calendar and you sense there's a upper taker getting ready to sound the trumpet. Take us out. Do you sense it? They had sense. They had understanding. They had perception. They had perspective of the culture and the day in which they lived to know what Israel ought to do. Do, you, do we know what we ought to do? In the times which we live, bless God, I do. We need to rejoice evermore. Amen. We need to pray without ceasing. And everything, we need to give thanks. We need to quench, not the spirit. We need to despise, not prophesy. We need to prove all things and hold fast to all things. All right, let's move. Number seven, we're done. Verse 22, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here we go. Abstain. This is going to get deep right here. Abstain. What does that mean? Move away from. Turn your back on it. From all appearance of evil. Now, a poor illustration. Just tell you how we are. A man was on a diet. He'd weighed 300 some pounds. And he had lost down about 250. And he wanted to get down closer to 225. He's on his way. And he'd asked God to help him. Lord, help me to resist food. God, please help me. He'd asked him. And he had brought him way down, 100 pounds plus. And he went to Krispy Kreme. Donuts, they say. And he said, Lord, he went through the parking lot just to smell them. He said, Lord, I know I'm not supposed to have them, but I can smell them. That won't make me fat. But, but when, he, when he turned out of there, he made a U-turn and he come back. He said, now, Lord, if it be your will, and a parking place opened up near the door, and it'd be your will that I could get some of them donuts, and on the seventh trip around, a parking spot opened up. He said, that's the will of God. God told me to do it. That's what we do. I wonder if old Jonah said, Lord, if I had enough change, let me get me a ticket going the other direction. Well, looky there. This is the will of God, and I go the other way. That's not how it works. You to abstain from, those are poor illustrations, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, what does that mean? You need to stay away from the gray areas of our lives. Make no provision for the flesh. <laughs> Bought a little Ford Ranger, 91 Ford, just a single cab. Beautiful blue color on it, Brother Rich. I was so happy with it. I got home, had chrome mag wheels, brand new tires, Tyler. Ooh, I was tickled to them. And the mud flaps had Yosemite Sam. It looked good. It was cool looking. He had his, you know, the little cartoon character. He has little guns out like this and said, back off. I liked it. God said, take him off. You, you, you can't be in front of the hearse going to the funeral, to the graveyard, with back off. And the hearse falls right behind you. You get them off. I said, now, now Lord, I've, I've read my Bible, and I don't see where it says, Thou shalt not have Yosemite Sam on thy mud flaps. Give me a verse of Scripture. And God says, For him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. Yeah, but I'm talking about to everybody else too. No, to you. That's going to be a sin because I told you it is wrong for you to have Yosemite Sam on your mud flaps. Well, I like it. I was a little sour about it. You may say, Preacher Darren, 
you didn't really have this discussion with the Lord. I promise you I did. It's been real good preaching, Father. I took those mud flaps off. I sat about it. I thought, well, I'll sell them. I'll put them on eBay or something. God said, mm -mm, that ain't good for you. I don't want nobody else to have them either. You cast your back on sin, throw them behind you, put them in a trash can, carry it off the dump, let them go. Lord, them's probably worth it. You let them go. So I did because it was appearance of evil in my life. Preacher, you arguing about mud flaps. What are you arguing about? What you been trying to justify? Here, here, here's been my rule of life for me. It's my rule. It's what God gave me. God said, if you question whether it's right or wrong, it's wrong for you. It may not be wrong for everybody else in your church, but it's wrong for you. When people come to me and say, Preacher Darren, I want to ask you, is it right or wrong for, I automatically know, it's wrong. Right? It's wrong for them. Right? But here's the thing. What's wrong for you, you can't go put off on somebody else. I cannot get up here and say, bless God, turn to the book of Judas, and let's get in here and preach on you can't have mud flaps, and if you have mud flaps and have Yosemite Sam, every one of you is going to hell. You can't preach that. There's no doctrine for it. There's no Bible for it. You've got to preach Jesus. Look at it. Abstain from the appearance, from all appearance of evil. If it's a gray area in your life, leave it alone. Well, I think it's a gray area for your life. Then you let God deal with me about me, and I'll let God deal with you about you. And I'm pretty sure he's big enough to handle it. Rejoice evermore. Shout now, Bethel. Amen. God is good. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. People say all the time, what's the will of God, preacher there? Give him thanks. Anybody can do that. That's what he wants you to do. That's your job. Praise him. Give him thanks. You stand at your feet tonight. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for these magnificent initiatives that you have laid out before us tonight. And God, I'll be honest, these commands are more than I can do. I break them all the time. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us a spirit of praise. Give us a right attitude. Show us, God, by your spirit what we should do and leave the things that we shouldn't be doing, leave them alone, to avoid them, to abstain from them. God, would you touch the church? Thank you for the soul that you saved. God, continue to work, I pray.